I hit the brakes hard, launching Megan at the dashboard. What was that for? Sorry, I thought something ran out in front of me. I lie. She peers nervously over the side of her window for evidence of roadkill. I can't see anything. Whatever it was, I think you missed it. But I'm not listening. The real reason for my unexpected stop is the small white van in the corner of the car park. It isn't marked, but it doesn't need to be. I'd know it anywhere. Christ, there were days when I spent more time in that vehicle than at home. Not anymore. I haven't driven it in eight months. Not since that rainy day in the hospital car park when a police officer told me someone had tried to murder my daughter. Seeing the van now is a jolting reminder that my compassionate leave ends in just three weeks. But I'm not ready to face my colleagues. Not yet. Maybe not ever. Maybe we should go elsewhere for the paint. What? Where? This is the only paint shop in Biddicombe. At least she's talking to me now after slipping into a monumental sulk when I refused to let her stay in the cabin alone. Okay, let's go in. I slap the car into reverse and manoeuvre it into a space between a tractor and a Land Rover. I'll stay in the car. No, you won't. You'll only be a few minutes. Come in anyway, just to be on the safe side. Megan delivers her signature huff and unclips her seatbelt. God, I can't wait till you're back to work. Thanks. It means you'll stop breathing down my neck 24-7. I think you'll find it's called parenting. Yeah, well, I prefer the type when you're not around so much and it means I can go back to school. We haven't made any final decisions about that. Megan pauses at the entrance to the shop. Look at me. I'm so obviously better. In some ways, she is. The bulging purple bruises that bloated her face have long faded, restoring her freckles, beloved by me but hated by her. And her auburn hair has grown back enough to conceal the deep track running the length of a skull that had to be reconstructed fragment by fragment. You wouldn't know she was brutally attacked eight months ago. Not all scars are skin deep. I'm good up here too, she says, tapping her temple. Just ask Lisa. She thinks I'm well enough to go back to school. Lisa is Megan's counsellor. I don't agree with her, but it's a conversation that's going to have to wait as a familiar voice calls my name. And the first thing I notice when I turn around is an unmistakable shock of red hair belonging to Jake Harris, a crime scene investigator and the van's driver. Hi, Jake. Not yet out of his twenties, Jake was new to the job last summer, before it all happened. I was looking forward to mentoring him. He has the makings of a great CSI. But that was then. Things are different now. Now I just want to get the hell out of there. I'm here for a break-in, he says. I noticed the security alarm had been foamed. 
Yeah, not that anyone takes any notice of them. Second time I've been out this way this week. Right. Yeah, some old deer found wandering on the moors. She had blood all over her nightdress. Only, get this, it wasn't hers. They've no idea who she is or whose blood it is. She's got dementia or something. But she's not talking. I went up to the moors to examine where she was picked up, not that I found anything. There was a time when I'd be all over this, interrogating Jake for the tiniest, most seemingly innocuous details, knowing that any of them could unlock the mystery of the woman with someone else's blood on her. After all, crime scenes are my game. Or they were.